Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. Ever since Matt LaFleur became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers four seasons ago, the Packers have had one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. Last season, the Packers ranked 10th in total offense, and the year before ranked 5th. In that same 2020 season, the Packers led the NFL in scoring per game at a whopping 31.8 points. So what's happened this season? Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel. I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Rob Reichel, who on this podcast today will cure all of the Packers' offensive ailments. Right, Dr. Rob? <laughs> Man, that's, uh, that, that, that's your best one-liner in the three years we've been doing these podcasts, I think. Un- un- unless you erase the salary cap and allow me to make nine trades or something like that. No, we're, we're probably not fixing them all today. There you go. I know. I'm asking for a lot, but, you know, Packer Nation (laughs) believes in you. So I I thought of an idea to break down the Packers' woes on offense by breaking down their areas. Uh, For instance, the wide receiving core, the offensive line, running backs and quarterbacks. Actually, one quarterback at this point. But uh, let's delve a little bit. You know, Rob, uh, if you look at the Packers' uh, many, many offensive problems, it, it's in points per game. I mean, they averaged the last two seasons, uh, I mean, just an incredible number of points. I think it was 26.6 last season, and then the year before it was 31.8. I mean, th- those are big-time offenses, and now they're averaging a whole hum 17.3 points a game. And that ranks a measly 24th out of 32 teams. And uh, they're, they're 15th overall in offense. The departure of Devontae Adams can't be the sole reason for the Packers uh, going south in offense, can it? No, I mean, it can't be the only one. I mean, remember, Gary, they did only put up 10 points with Devontae on the field in the NFC Divisional round last year when they lost to San Francisco. It's interesting, Gary, on, on Monday, Matt LaFleur was asked at his, you know, day after the game press conference, what do you do to fix some of this stuff? And he just flat out said, I don't know. And he, and he let it, and he let it hang in the air for about three. A for, a for honesty. Yeah. I mean, and he let, it was one of those funny ones too, Gary, cause he kind of let it hang in the air for three or four seconds. And, and then he said, you know, good question. He said, if I had the answers for this, you know, obviously we'd have them fixed by now. So if the head coach doesn't have the answers, Gary, you know, you and I trying to pick it apart here in this podcast probably aren't going to fix it all either. I, I, I will say this. I mean, we've been saying for the last three or four years, this certainly in the wide receiver room, they were devoid of playmakers outside Devontae Adams. And now you get rid of your number one playmaker, you know, in that room, your, your second best player on offense after the quarterback uh, the last handful of years. And again, I I think they got parts that are going to eventually help them, but it's not going to help them in 2022. And that's why I've been saying for five, six months, this was going to be a transition year. And we're watching that unfold. And and this is what it looks like. The trickiest part of this whole equation becomes, does the quarterback come back to deal with this nonsense or not in 2023? And and, and let's not forgive him either. He's a huge part of the problem. He, he has not played up to Aaron Rodgers' standards, not even close, um, the first six games of this season. And, and you know, and, and we can get into this later in the podcast, yeah. Gary, but the case can certainly be made at this point in time that the Packers would have been better off trading Aaron Rodgers at some point in the last 18 months and, and getting the remarkable draft capital back they could have gotten you know, let, let's assume three or four first round picks, a couple of seconds, had they traded him in the summer of 2021 or after the 2021 season, when, when his contract was up again, Gary, if they, if they would have, they would have moved on from him at that point of time and said, you know what, we're going to go through a mini rebuild. Would they be any worse off than they are today at three and three with a team that's struggling? And Gary, I, I don't know that there's a lot of answers inside that building. Again, Devante's not coming through those doors 
anytime soon. I, and knowing the track record of Brian Gutekunst, when it comes to making trades, I'm, I'm not sold that he's going to do a lot before the trade deadline on November one to beef up this roster. So, I mean, Gary, when you, when you look at it, the, the offensive line is a mess. We can get into yeah, that. Let, let, let's, yeah. Let's start off right there with the offensive yeah. line, you know, um, coming into this season, I, I thought it'd be a pretty solid group, if not a good group. Uh, but that certainly hasn't been the case. And the biggest disappointment, at least from my perspective, has been the play of Elton Jenkins. And I know they've been moving around and he's been playing right tackle, but he hasn't played well at all. I mean, this is a you know Pro Bowl caliber type player. And it seems every Sunday he's, he's had a breakdown or two. And if the best player on your offensive line is having issues, that's not good. I'll give him a little bit of a break in this fact, Gary. You know, he's still, you know, less than a year removed from tearing his ACL. Correct. And, Correct. and, and you know how it is, the history of that injury. We've watched this in several sports unfold. That first year back is tricky. Usually all these players say it takes until that second year until they feel like their old selves. So, you know, and when it, when it comes to Jenkins, there is a little bit of an excuse built in now. When, when you're out on that football field every every Sunday, though, no one feels sorry for you and excuses don't fly anymore. And, and you're exactly right. He he hasn't been nearly the player he was pre-injury. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you mentioned it, Gary. He's been at right tackle the majority of this season. I, I would assume when the Packers go to Washington this week, Jenkins is back at his old familiar left guard spot. Uh, Runyon probably moves to right guard. And, and you see Yash Neisman come on in and play right tackle and, and Newman goes to the bench, which is what they were trying to do in the loss Sunday to the Jets was, was bench Newman, you know, before the injury to Jake Hansen forced Newman back into the game. They're going to try to get their best five on the field. Gary, I, I assume Yash is one of those guys because he grades out or has graded out pretty highly the last year and a half when, when Bakhtiari was hurt. The biggest question becomes, you know, Yash has been strictly a, a left tackle in fill-in duty for Green Bay. Can he go over there and, and play right tackle now that Bakhtiari is back to kind of full-time duty on the left side? But, you know, Gary, some of their biggest problems have come on the interior too, where, where these guards have been overwhelmed, Absolutely. where, where Myers has been beat up a little bit at center. Royce Newman has probably been the weakest link, but the jets, for example, got a ton of pressure up the middle, you know, with twists and stunts and, and, and a lot of movement and, and green Bay just didn't handle it particularly well. And then you look at it, both, both tackles, uh, Jenkins and Bakhtiari, Gary coming off knees, are not the same player they were two years ago pre-injury. So you're right. On, on paper, the names look like it should be a pretty solid unit, but no one is playing really Gary at the same level. I mean, somebody said this to me yesterday, Gary, and, and I thought it was interesting. They said, name me a Packer right now who's having a better year than they did in 2021. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I, and I couldn't give you one. And my answer wound up being David Bakhtiari because he didn't play in 2021. So, <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of the state of the Green Bay Packers right now, Gary, is who's playing better than they did a year ago, right? And, and you and I could probably sit here the next hour as we do this show and struggle to come up with a name. And, that, and that's just kind of where they are. And, 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 you know, back to offense and back to that offensive line, everything starts and all your building blocks, you, your, your starting points come from that offensive line. If, if you can't get people blocked up front, there, there's just no chance of plays being successful. And, yeah. and the Jets showed you on, on Sunday that they were a dominant unit up front. They beat the nonsense out of Green Bay's guys. And guess what, Gary? Green Bay's going out to play a pretty crappy Washington team. But you know where Washington's really good? They're really good on the defensive line. They've got a lot of first-round picks invested in that unit. And if the Packers don't get things cleaned up immediately, Gary – those commanders slash Redskins certainly have a chance to beat Green Bay again this week. So Rob, that would be blasphemous. If they lose to the Redskins, just bring out the white flag. Well, I mean, the next game is at Buffalo then too, Gary, right? So I, I know. I, I know. But I'm saying if they lose to the commanders, it's yep. over. You, you can talk about it's a well, long season and everything, but. 
That, that would be brutal. You're probably right. I mean, you hate to go to that in week seven and say it's a must win, but with Buffalo looming with a trip to Philly looming, you know, you yeah. still got, you still got pretty good opponents in Dallas and then the Rams and people like that, that are, you mm-hmm. know, on your schedule really Gary. I mean, you could circle any game right now, right? Yeah. I mean, you, for the, the way the jets absolutely beat the nonsense out of green Bay last week and beat them by three scores. I mean, any game for this team right now is losable. It doesn't matter, Gary, who the opponent is, Tennessee. It, it, it doesn't matter. Any of these games, Green Bay could certainly lose. I mean, a trip to Miami, I mean, that, that, that's a beast, right? So, no, the, the, the schedule isn't going to get any easier. It's not forgiving. I, I would assume Matt LaFleur is kicking himself for not taking a bye after coming back from London. I know the Jets use that as as fuel and, you know, things to fire them up before they uh, walked into Lambeau Field and, and Sala and his coaching staff sold it that, hey, guys, these guys would rather come back from London and play us than have a bye week because they think, you know, they can stick it to us even on a short, even after a long flight and, you know, kind of, kind of a crazy week leading up, leading up to the game in terms of trying to get their body clocks back. So, uh, you know, I, I think Matt LaFleur miscalculated that wanting to play the jets versus taking a bye, Gary. And now they have to buy deep into the season and, and the next couple of months are not easy by, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, back to Washington for a second. I think they get a huge boost by losing Wentz actually for this game. And now they'll play Taylor Heineke. Who's <laughs> you're giving you're a big Wentz fan, huh? <laughs> not a bit, not a bit, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, Heineke's given Green Bay problems in the past. He can get out and run. And, and we know what Green Bay does against the run, Gary, not, not very much. I mean, Washington got a running back last week who had been shot in the, in the preseason who looked pretty good. Hey, this isn't a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. This isn't a layup for Green Bay, Gary. And and if they went out there and somehow lost and then follow that up with a loss to Buffalo, and now you're talking about a four-game losing streak, you just might be right. They'd be sitting there at three and five, and and then and then your season is almost over. Well, they're already two games behind the Vikings in, in the uh, NFC North, and the Vikings obviously got the tiebreaker at this point. I mean, that's three games, so. Uh, yeah, they, they can ill afford to uh, lose many games over the next couple of weeks, but getting re- reeling it back in with the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they do have some other concerns and one of them, and I think nobody talks about it. Myers and Newman are so young, you know what I mean? And right. I, and I thought they actually played fairly decent last year for their age. But this year, it seems like they're having miscommunication problems. And uh, as you alluded, there was one time, I think it was Quentin Williams just like walked right through. I mean, nobody touched him, you know? And by the way, Quentin Williams, I don't care what anybody says. I think he's the best defensive player, defensive lineman in the NFL. That dude is unbelievable. And uh, to me, it's like the, the Packers not paying more attention to him came back to bite him, but man, is he a load. He looked like a young Warren Sapp, didn't he? He sure did. He uh, sure did. I mean, he, he was the best player on the field. Sauce Gardner was the second best player on the field. That's a young emerging team. You know, that's, yep. that, that, that's what young stud defensive talent looks like, right? That, that, that's when you hit home runs in back-to-back drafts or, you know, in, in uh, drafts like the Jets have in recent years. And, and, and Gary, that, that's also a byproduct, too, of being bad right for a number of years, then all of a sudden where you can take a sauce Gardner with the fourth pick in the draft or take Quinn and Williams high uh, in a draft because you're sitting up there. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right, Gary. And, and, and again, I, I think Royce Newman, we've maybe seen the last of him for a, for a, you know, at least of a a short time here. I I don't think his futures in, in great peril or anything like that in green Bay, Gary, um, because they'll, they'll lose offensive linemen in the off season like they always do. And, He's still a young guy on a, on a rookie contract. He won't be going anywhere or anything like that, but it, it's been a struggle for him in, in 2022. He's been, he's been the weak link of, of that group. And um, you're right. Myers played pretty well last year uh, before he did get hurt. I thought he had been okay uh, for the majority of this season. Again, nobody was good on, on Sunday against the jets. I, I think Runyon's been okay 
Um, I, I, I think a huge, a huge lift that they'll get Gary is, is Jenkins can fortify, you know, what, what they want to do, especially on the, on the interior. Yeah. We, we, we've seen what a strong combination he and Bakhtiari can be on the left side. I, I think he's going to give some help to Myers, whichever side of Myers he lines up on. They might just want to leave Runyon alone at left guard and kick Elton into right guard, Gary. I mean, I, I know his, his best football has probably come at left guard. The question the Packers are going to face is how many positions do they want to want to mess with, right? If yeah, they already I, I know they're, they're so they're into the season, Rob. That's yeah, that's what's uh, kind of disconcerting. I mean, they they should have this thing nailed down at this point. Well, the, the tricky part, Gary, obviously became the knee injuries to guys, right? Sure. When were you getting Elton back? When were you getting Bakhtiari back? So it was, you know, it, it was a little bit fluid week to week kind of stuff early in the season. But over the last two or three weeks is, you know, those guys have been in the lineup, right? Then, then, then this should have been solved by now. You're exactly right. But you have guys playing well below the standard that we're used to seeing them play at. And it's why Rogers right. got hit nine times in that game, sacked four times. You felt like it was double those numbers. Didn't show with the constant yeah. pressure yeah. that he had in, in, in his face. It was almost impossible for him and the wide receivers to, to, to really let plays uh, kind of materialize and allow things to play themselves out where, where Rogers could have tried to go to work on, on, you know, maybe some people other than, other than sauce Gardner, but no, I mean, Gary, if they can't get that figured out and get it blocked up front, that nothing's going to change. I mean, and it wasn't just the passing game, right? It was, it, it was the run game too. There was, there was no room for Aaron Jones. There was very little room, you know, for, for AJ Dillon. I, I think they averaged three yards a carry as a team, only 60 rushing yards, which is an abysmal number mm-hmm. for a team that wants to run the ball more than, more than they actually do. Um, so no, there's, that there were zero positives on the offensive side of the ball on Sunday, Gary, I'd say other than Robert Tunyon, starting to show us that, that maybe he's back to pre-injury form. Um, he, he had a nice game and, and that, and that was certainly a positive and good to see, you know, from, from a Packer standpoint, he's a good kid, Gary, he, he works his tail off and, and he actually set a Packer franchise record with his 10 catches. That's more than any tight end uh, in, in franchise history, but take that away, Gary. And, and, and there are zero positives on the offensive side of the ball from, from the Jets game. Yeah. Hey, uh, one, one last thing on, on Newman. I think you and I talked about this last year and uh, a guy, you know, a long time NFL scout, we were talking about Newman when he was coming out and he said the one area he definitely has to improve on is, is his strength. He's not a real strong guy. And I haven't seen any growth in that department. Maybe I'm way off base, but what absolutely blew me away was when the Packers came out and their first two running plays were behind him. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, you know, LaFleur knows a hell of a lot more about his team than, than I do, but I, I kept thinking of this pro scout telling me that he's not the strongest guy and both runs went nowhere. And uh, so I, I'm just wondering why would they call plays going in that direction? Unless they felt Jenkins was, you know, going to take care of business, you know, right tackle, but it, it just didn't make any sense. And their whole game plan, I thought was really suspect again last week. And, you know, having seen LaFleur excel so, so much in the last couple of years on opening drives, uh, it, it, it was a bit of a shock. Gary, we, we, we could spend five hours dissecting some of the numbers that are just kind of shocking with this Packer team, right? Fewest points, through six games since the 2006 season. I think they have 37 second half points, which is really only six a game. Uh, when, when you look at it that way, I mean, think of that, Gary, six points uh, per game in the second half. I mean, chew on that one for a second, right? I mean, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball deep. Um, it, the numbers are absolutely dreadful, J- just abysmal with the lack of success. Gary, I just don't think Matt LaFleur knows where to go at this point in time. He doesn't have anything to hang his hat on. Right. He he thought they could be a run based offense. Well, they're not blocking very well. He seems to forget about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon way too quickly in the majority of games. Aaron Jones had one carry at halftime, Gary. I mean, yeah, I, I know that. I tuned I mean, out at halftime, but I, I think he touched the ball what, three times in the first half. And we well, we'll, get three touches. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get on to that. Uh, I want to move on to the receivers, Rob. And uh, this has almost become a weekly conversation with us going back to last year before the trading deadline. 
where you and I agreed both they had to go out and get a wide receiver and they didn't. And that receiving core certainly hasn't gotten any better since then. They, they, they lose Adams. Now Cobb, Watson, and Watkins are all out. Um, I, I thought you had a kind of an interesting story the other day for Forbes.com. You mentioned three wide receivers that they could go after. The deadline is when I, I, I refresh my memory. Is it next yep. Monday? No, November one, Gary, the day November after one. Halloween. Okay, okay. Perhaps you can you know tell our, our listeners the the three guys you had uh, as possibilities for a trade. Now Robbie Anderson already got traded. That was one of your guys, but it was. Uh, who who are the other two again? So yeah, Robbie Anderson from Carolina was one of them. You know, I thought they could have gotten him on the cheap. He's a talented guy. Gary had, you know, he had 95 catches two years ago, um, but he got in a fight with his position coach in Carolina last week. Uh, that's already a, a team that's fired their head coach and, and they're looking at a total rebuild. So I knew Anderson would be on, on the move, but he was traded on Monday to Arizona. So he he's off the board. What not again, Gary, we're, we're going to know a lot more in a week or two, right? I mean, the, the nice thing about the trade deadline, it, it, it used to be over already by about week five or six. Now, now they take it to week eight or nine um, and let the season play out a little bit longer so teams can get a better gauge of are, are, are they contenders? You know, do they, do they have much of a chance? Are they pretenders? Are they buyers? Are they sellers? I think Pittsburgh's going to wind up being a seller, Gary. They're, they're a tough team to predict at mm-hmm. this point in time. But, but you know, with, with the transition that they're obviously making a quarterback, I think they're going to wind up being a seller. So one of, one of my guys there that, that Green Bay could go and, and, and try to get is Chase Claypool. Deontay Johnson is their number one. They paid him like a one last summer and extended his contract. They took a couple of young receivers, including George Pickens, in the draft this year that they absolutely love. It makes me think that, you know, Claypool is only in year three of a four-year rookie deal, Gary. Uh, but but I don't think he's going to be a guy that maybe gets that second contract in Pittsburgh. So this might be a time where where you can jump and and get a guy like him. And, he, and he's a talented guy. First two years in the league, Gary, he had 120 catches and 11 touchdowns. He would probably be Green Bay's first or second best wide receiver the day he walked into the door. And a guy like him on the cheap, 1.1 million, Green Bay's got about seven to play with financially, so you could easily get him in. Um, you know, actually, I think Green Bay might have eight, Gary, uh, million under the cap that that you know you you could easily get Claypool in, and and it wouldn't be a concern with with the salary cap. Another team, Gary, that I can't figure out for sure what they're going to do is New England. They've got a couple of guys that are possibilities if Belichick wants to sell, but they're three and three. They've won two in a row. And, and they've got a schedule coming that's incredibly soft, Gary, including the yeah. Bears this week, um, who they'll, who I'm, you know, you would assume they'll beat and then go to four and three. New England's schedule is so soft coming up that they actually are going to probably be able to make a little bit of a run here that maybe Belichick won't wind up selling. But if he does, they signed Jacoby Myers, uh, Gary, in, in, in free agency to just a one year, $4 million deal. Well, half of that money's almost already gone, right? I mean, a third of it for sure, because we're six games into a 17 game season. If they, if they waited and, and traded Myers at the deadline, Gary, we're eight games into a 17 game season, which means Myers, you know, all, all you're taking on then is the final nine games from a salary cap consideration. So that'd be just over $2 million. So they could, they could fit Myers in easily. And Myers is a pretty good player, Gary. He leads the Patriots in catches and yards. He, he would help out immensely. There are going to be other guys too, that, that, that are going to come into play here. You know, Gary is, is, as teams struggle here over the next week or two. I mean, if, if you're the Jaguars, if you're the Texans, if, you know, if, again, Carolina's a bad football team and they've, they've got some bodies there that, that are options. I mean, if you're, if you're Washington, some of these teams that it's clear, Gary, that they're not going anywhere in 2022 might start unloading some parts. And, uh, and I think green Bay should act and, uh, and, and be aggressive in trying to get one of these players, Gary. But, but again, the track record for the Packers is always that, you know, they, they sleep through this period, Gary, they, they let the, they let their neighbors in the North make trades. They let everybody else around the NFC or the league make trades. And, you know, whether it was Ted Thompson or now Brian Gutekunst, they, you know, they're off watching some slot corner 
or something like that, or, you know, uh, number three <laughs> potential running back or whatever at South Dakota state on an, on, on Gutekunst's next scouting trip, instead of trying to go and land one of these, one of these wide receivers, this should be job one. I, I get it. The, the, these oh, guys, no question. Couldn't agree with you more. These guys spend most of their time in October, November, December, bouncing around college campuses and 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 getting ready for next April's draft by by spending time and watching countless hours of film on on the kid at Oklahoma or Texas or or Baylor or Syracuse. But but Gary, this this 2022 team needs to be fixed and they they need some help or these offensive numbers aren't going to change. They need another no. wide receiver or two because. You know, like you mentioned, Cobb's going to be at least a month. And and we we knew on Randall Cobb, it was it was a matter of when, not if he was going to start missing games. So, I mean, th- th- there's no guarantee that you're going to get a whole lot from Cobb from this point moving forward. I, I think, you know, I, I think they're in the process right now of probably shutting Christian Watson down for a for a period of time. They haven't put him on the IR, but, but I'd be surprised if you see him in the next three or four weeks. And even if, even if, and when you do Gary, you know, what are you really going to get from Christian Watson at this point in 2022? It doesn't look like a whole heck of a lot. They're hopeful. Sammy Watkins comes back in the next week or two. He might give them a little bit of a lift, but Gary, the, the best way for them to get a lift on the offensive side of the ball. And I, and I think by far the most glaring need uh, positional need is wide receiver. Brian Gutekunst has to go out and find one. This, no, no this, is, this is really the year. He, yeah. he can't sleep on it this year, Gary. Yeah, I mean, the window's closing. And let's face it, that you know, this could conceivably be Rodgers last year. I, I'm not really mad out at all. But, the, you know, you mentioned uh, guys that I totally agree with, but, but there's a bunch of guys I think could be out there. Even like Brandon Cooks, we, we talked about right. him last year. Um, he, he's having another really good season. And so what if the Packers have to give up a, a what, a second, third, fourth round pick, whatever, you know, to get them? The Packers got plenty of young players on that roster now. They need somebody that can come in. Plus the fact Cooks, Cooks isn't an old guy. He's got several years, you know, still in him. And then you look at Marvin Jones, who's kind of got lost down Jacksonville. I mean, he's had some great years of great seasons in the past. Do you think Washington would give up McLaren? They just gave him big money. I really, really doubt it. But I mean, he, he'd be Green Bay's number one immediately. Oh, but yep. at the same point in time, I mean, we know this, Gary. Carson Wentz is a stopgap. Taylor Heineke's not a probably yeah. not a long term solution you know, at, at, at quarterback or they would have never gone out and gotten Carson Wentz. This, this is a team that's going nowhere fast until, until they get a quarterback. And my guess is this will be the draft that, that they'll attack the quarterback position. Uh, Washington that is. Yeah. It seems like we talk about Brandon cooks every year, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. I mean, he's the old receiver. Houston's Houston's bad every, every single year. They have been the last few. And so cooks, his name does come up along with other wide receivers that, that have been in Houston, Gary, you know what, do you know what Arizona gave up for Robbie Anderson? Who, again, I I know he's got character issues and he's, you know, he's a little bit of a goof, but um, he's, he's been a highly productive player in the league. You know what, you know what Arizona gave up for him yesterday? Seventh rounder. One sixth and one seventh. Yep. There you go. Yep. So, yep. well, you know, you know what, Rob? Too another guy. I I think that's kind of been lost in the shuffle here. Nobody's talking about is Kenny Galladay from the Giants. Yeah. And and the Giants got some really good young receivers. It, it it looks like he fell out of favor there for whatever reason. But the dude had like one year he had sixty five catches. Another year he had seventy. And the fact that he's a veteran is, is all the better. Um, so, I mean, what do we have? There are six, seven guys that we mentioned now that, you know, the Packers got to go out and get somebody. I mean, it, 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 it's that apparent. Yeah, Gary, the tricky part with someone like Galladay who signed that huge contract with the Giants, and that's why I didn't put him in my story, is getting him in. I mean, Green Bay does not have a ton of cap room to yeah. get this done. Now, now, maybe Green Bay could convince a team like the Giants, hey, we'll take half the salary, you take it. You take the other half because – we all know Galladay has fallen out of favor 
uh, in, in New York. And you mentioned that they do have some talented young wide receivers. Darius Slayton's a guy, I, you know, if you're green Bay, I, that's the guy in New York, I would try to go and find a way to steal, but the giants are five and one Gary. Yeah. They're, so, they're not going to give up him. Rob. They're, they're not giving up people right <laughs> yeah, now. They're, no. they're a buyer all of a sudden, not a seller, but, but Gary, when you look at that entire NFC right now, without, without going to your tablet, how many teams do you think are over 500? In the NFC? In the NFC. So we're talking 16, over 500. Uh, one, two, three, four. I'll, I'll say about five. Yeah, it's four, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Three in the NFC East and Minnesota. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Three and three leads. Yeah, that, that, that wanted NFC West uh, yep. is looking uh, kind of suspect right now, isn't it? It sure is. Three and three leads the South and the West, Gary. Isn't that crazy? This is, Rob, this is the wackiest NFL season I've seen, though, in a long, long time. You know, granted, it's still early, but all the teams that are just playing below their capabilities, the Rams, the 49ers, the Packers, the Buccaneers, uh, Brady hit it on the head two weeks ago. I don't don't know if you saw his quote. They asked him for his observations about the NFL. And he goes, there's a lot of bad football being played. And he's absolutely right. Outside of maybe, you know, three or four teams, I think a lot of teams are vastly underachieving. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why if you are Green Bay, Gary, and the point I was going to make on that is the NFC is is so mediocre right now. I mean, I think Philadelphia is really, really good. and But they might be the only team. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not... I'm still not buying Minnesota. I'm still not buying uh, the Giants fully. I mean, Dallas looks improved, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. We'll see what they look like when Dak Prescott comes back. I mean, but 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 the conference is so wide open. When when you look at the four teams that were in, you know, the the final four last year, Gary in the NFC was the Buccaneers, the Packers, the 49ers, and the Rams. Yeah. All four today are three and three. They're all 500 yeah. football teams. I mean, the thing is completely wide open and nobody right now really blows you away on in, inside the conference other than Philly. I think there's only three really good football teams in the league, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City and Philly. And af- after that, I, agree. I, think, I, agree. I, I think it's I think it's completely a, a crapshoot, isn't it? It's, it's totally wide open. So if you're Brian Gutekunst and you see this unfolding, and you and you say, man, if I can get if I can get a guard and I can get a wide receiver to beef up this offense, and maybe at some point in time, I you know Sammy Watkins comes back and I can get something out of him. Maybe Christian Watson come back, I can get something out of him. Aaron Rodgers starts to get any kind of chemistry with this group, which hasn't happened through you know thirty five percent of the season so far, and the defense plays like they did in the first half, not the second half last week against the Jets. Anything is possible because you are right, Gary. They could be down to their last strike here in 2022 when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's, there is no guarantee, and, and Rodgers has talked about it countless times, that he's coming back in 2023, 2024. There's no guarantee he's going to finish the contract that, that he signed this particular offseason. No, not at all. Packers. No. So, you know, if, if that's the case and, and, and this is kind of your last, potentially your last go around with this group, um, you've got to go for it. You've got to go for it every single year at this point in time, Gary, that Rogers is still there. Now I've got my doubts too. And you know, this about Rogers himself, you know, he doesn't look like he looks more now Gary, like the guy in 2018, 2019, than he does the guy that won back-to-back MVPs the last two years. He, he looks like the, the guy who got Mike McCarthy fired in 2018, the way he has started this particular season. Now, some you of that is Matt LaFleur fired if this keeps going. <laughs> well, I think, I think 39. I, I'm being facetious. Yeah, there. I was going to say, I think 39 and 10 his first three years yeah. has bought Matt a little no. bit of time. But Gary, you know, too, it's a what have you done for me lately world and yeah. league. And Matt LaFleur has not been a good playoff coach. So, um, you know, if, if, if this drags on another year or two or something like that, yeah, Matt's going to find himself in, in some trouble. We're not there yet. No, clearly, no, but, not even but, close. But the, but the quarterback Gary has not been very good. I mean, he's been very mediocre at best and you can blame that on the line and you can blame that on, um, you know, his weapons and things like that, but he's been inaccurate. Um, as how much of that is the thumb, the thumb didn't crop up until this, this past week. So, you know, week six of the regular season, 
Um, I'm sure he'll fall on that as an excuse now for as long as humanly possible. But but Aaron Rodgers has not been the Aaron Rodgers that that won MVPs in 2020 and 2021 to start this season. And, and Gary at 50 million. I, dollars, yes, Rob, I'm crazy. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> I remember a week ago, I was uh, saying that he could still make that run for third straight. Uh, can we uh, delete that from our podcast? Yeah, we, we might want to go back and flush that app, that episode gear. Yeah, you um, know what's crazy? And, and, and you've been totally correct in your assessments here. You know what the highest number of yards that Rodgers has thrown for this season? In well, I hadn't looked that up, but I'm going to guess about 260. Yeah, yeah, very good guess. 255. Yeah. 255. I mean, somewhere along the line, you, you crack the 300 barrier. Yeah, I mean, that to me speaks volume. His percentage is great, 67 as usual. I mean, that's better than uh, Josh Allen, the Hertz, uh, Burrow, Herbert, and even Mahomes. So, I mean, he, he's completing passes and he's only thrown three interceptions, but. Again, as as you well know, they've all been short to intermediate type passes. Yeah, and Gary, you know the the, the deep ball is is the one that really jumps off the page. Yeah, you know they, they've just had almost zero success. You know, going downfield 30, 40 yards, and and you've got to get those chunk plays in the in this league if you know if, if you're going to consistently move the ball on offense. And 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 you've seen it, right? They. They haven't done that. They haven't moved the ball on offense. I mean, he's, you look at some of Roger's stats, Gary. I mean, he's only 14th in the league right now in yards per game, yeah. right? That, 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 that's 10 spots below where you're normally used to, to seeing Aaron Rodgers. Six touchdowns, or I'm sorry, nine touchdowns, Gary, through through six games. That's only one and a half a game. That That's well below his career pace of, you know, well over two. His interceptions are fine at three. I mean, but he's had years in the past where he's only thrown four in the, the entire season. I think I think even in 2019, Matt's first year here, Gary, he only threw two interceptions that year. His passer rating is way down, Gary. It's in the mid-90s. You know, for him, he's used to it being 103, 104, 105. Mm-hmm. So he's he's eight to ten points lower there. And and I'm not a big believer in this stat, Gary, because I, I don't know all the variables, but but if you buy into that ESPN QBR stat. That yeah. they like to put out there a lot of times. Guess where he ranks in that one, Gary, in the in, in across the league. And maybe you have it in front of you. I don't know, but but no. but if you haven't looked it up, where do you think he ranks in QBR? Oh, it's horrible. Twenty fourth. I, I I was gonna say it's probably in the lower third, but yeah, uh, yeah. right. No, he's, he's almost in the bottom he, quarter. He 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 does not look like the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen, particularly the last two years. You know, another number, and it's kind of a trivial stat but his longest completion so far this season rob is 56 yards okay and and that sounds okay but when you look at in in the big picture 19 other quarterbacks have completed passes longer than that this is i i thought was somewhat interesting too the other day a friend of mine called longtime nfl follower very 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 knowledgeable knowledgeable about the game he contends Rodgers is hurt. And, and that's the first time I've heard that brought up with anybody. I mean, outside his wrist and his, his thumb. But he said his throwing motion it, it is not the same. Now, you have seen Rodgers probably throw every pass in his career. Have you detected anything in his throwing motion? I, I didn't, Gary. Uh, you know, up until the thumb the other day where, again, if, if you know, I, I thought he left a few balls short. Especially yes. you know, yes. stuff in the flat. He didn't get a couple deep balls to receivers that you're used to him seeing. He threw the really nice, nice one to Lazard that they hit over the top, you know, um, where he where he placed it perfectly. But other than that, he struggled with the deep ball. But but Gary, he's been struggling with the deep ball all season. That yes. that, that that just didn't creep up in week six against the Jets. That was a problem, you know, from the opener against Minnesota. No, and Gary, I'll be honest. I thought he looked pretty good through the course of the summer too, because I mean, I I, I wanted to be critical of of the amount of time he missed. Yeah, by largely skipping the off season program, and and I do think it hurt in terms of chemistry with these young wide receivers. But in terms of 
the shape he came back in physically and, and how he himself looked throughout the summer, uh, he still looked like an MVP to me um, because he came back in ridiculously good shape. Uh, people all saw that with the Con Air video when he, when he trotted into to Lambeau Field at, at, you know, at, at the start of training camp. And then, Gary, he really did continue it through the summer. The, the defense got the better of the offense most days. Um, when, when it came to training camp practices, Gary, but Rogers himself still looked sharp and, and accurate and his arm strength was really good. No, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I would not have agreed with that assessment yeah. up until the thumb here in week six. I, I, I still think Rogers can make every throw and, and we'll see how it comes, you know, how it plays out here over the next couple of weeks. If that thumb continues to be a problem and it lingers, but but there were some there were some signs in that in that last game against the Jets, Gary, where where if that thumb doesn't get better and and it's a lingering problem, he he's going to have some real difficulty making some of the throws we're used to him uh, making here since since he became the starter in 08. Yeah, I don't know if it was in the uh, second quarter, third quarter, but Lazard or, or somebody beat two defenders deep, and if Rodgers puts the ball out there. Hit six points. I mean, he he definitely had had, had uh, his defenders uh, beaten, but Rogers underthrew it, and he underthrew it badly. And you could just see on his face that he knew that, and something was amiss. Uh, I, I don't know, but you don't see Rogers misfire a ball, you know, like that very often. No, I, I I'm with you, and and again, you know, Matt Lafleur said. I think it was on Monday, Gary, that uh, Rod and again, Rogers talked after the game. We'll get a chance to talk to him on Wednesday to find out more about the thumb and, and, and where it's at. But but LaFleur said on Monday, Rogers had told him it felt better at that point in, in the week than it had the prior week coming back from London after the Giants game you know, where he got, where he, where he heard it on the final play of that game yeah. out in London. Rogers told him, you know, uh, at least on Monday, um, compared to the prior Monday, he had made progress. He, he was in a better spot. Um, so I guess that, that theoretically is, is a good sign for Green Bay moving forward. But no, Gary, you're exactly right. I mean, if, if that thing continues to linger and, and, and is a problem, um, we talked about all these other problems on, on the Packer offense, the, the, the last place they should have a problem is at quarterback. But if, but if that thumb is an issue all of a sudden, Gary, they, yeah. they've got a, they've got a problem at quarterback because he's not going to be able to make some of the throws we're so accustomed to seeing him make. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. And, and probably the beauty of, of pro football, but at this point, if, if somebody would have asked us like two months ago, what, what is going to be the Packers record? I would have said, Four and two at worst, probably five and one, you know, <laughs> and they're three and three and, and Packer nation is, is beside itself. And there's not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, at, at least from our perspectives today. Gary. And, and I think it's because of who they lost to, right? I mean, Correct. If, if you Correct. and I had looked at the schedule and we, and we did this, I know in the off season, you know, I, I thought they'd lose the opener to Minnesota and I thought they'd lose Tampa Bay. Um, and, and they beat Tampa Bay. So now you're thinking, okay, it sh- it certainly lines up. They can get to five and one, six and one, something like that. The, yeah. the back-to-back losses to the two New York teams who have been absolutely irrelevant for the, the better part of a decade, you know, teams picking in the top 10 every single year in the draft, you don't expect to lose to those football teams when the schedule comes out in April. And, and, and Hey, credit to the giants who are five and one and the jets who are four and two, they're nine and three now combined and, and they're actually relevant football teams. It, it's why doing these, you know, schedule predictions in, in, in April or May or June are prove usually so futile, right? It's, yeah. it's such a week to week league and, and we, and everybody gets the schedule every April and they get so excited and they try to predict the wins and losses for their football team. But you just don't know at the end of the day, do you Gary? I mean, when, when I, when I saw the schedule and said, Oh, green Bay has the NFC East this year. What a break. Um, that they're going to play the Giants and, and Dallas comes to Green Bay and, and Washington is traditionally bad and, and they actually are. And, and Philly's been mediocre the last few years. You know, I thought, boy, at worst, they'll go three and one. 
against the NFC East and, 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 and almost same thing with the AFC East, right? Because the dolphins haven't been very good. The Patriots are in a mini rebuild. The jets haven't been good. And the only good team you thought over there was Buffalo. Well, all, all of a sudden you look now, Gary, and they've played, you know, uh, they, they've had one game against each of those mm-hmm. divisions so far. And they're on one against, yeah. you know, actually, I'm sorry. They, they beat the Patriots. So they're one and one against the AFC East. They're all and one against the NFC East. You know, I would have thought six and two, seven and one against that division, those two divisions, Gary, when, when you looked at the schedule back in April, you, it, it could easily be 500 now or, or even worse, right? You yeah. still got trips yeah. to Buffalo and, and Philly. <laughs> Dallas is really good. You've got to go to Miami. So, um, yeah, I, Gary, I, I think that's what's caused the freak out as much as anything. And, and Rogers warned after the game on Sunday, don't freak out people, uh, but people are going to freak out. You, you know, the, you know, the nature of Packer fans, this, they're, they're, they're looking for bridges. They're, they're in a panic mode right now, Gary, because <laughs> they've, they've lost consecutive games as overwhelming favorites, right? Probably what an eight point favorite against the, the giants, a touchdown favorite last week against the jets. And, and right now, Gary green Bay's just not good enough to be favored by a touchdown against anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, wrap up our uh, offensive outlook here or evaluations and uh, touch on the running backs. And, you know, Rob, uh, when Jones and Dylan were supposed to make this offense even more potent, but uh, it, it hasn't happened. Both players have been subpar, and you can say, you know, it's partly on their fault, partly on the offense line. But the fact of the matter is neither one has been great. Uh, Jones, I think, has had two 100-yard rushing games this season. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Dylan has had any. Uh, Jones's average per carry is 5.8. Dylan is – I mean, this is unbelievable. Dylan, 3.9. And uh, I, I'm throwing Aaron Jones some uh, slack here because I, 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 I'm sure you saw this Sunday. There was a play where he came hobbling off the field, and there were several other times where I noticed that he didn't look right. And I, I'm just wondering if that ankle is really bothering him and uh, if he's anywhere close to being 100%. Because, you know, the guy's ultra-competitive. He's a gamer. He wants to be out there. But – he doesn't look 100% either. Well, yeah, he took some really hard hits in that football game. He did. He did. And, and the, 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 I mean, the Jets flew around, and that looked, you know, again, that, that, that's what young teams on the rise kind of look like, right, Gary? Young, hungry teams. And, and the Jets are one of those teams right now in the league that, that believe they're, they're about ready to make that jump with, with all this – you know, young gifted personnel and consecutive outstanding drafts that they've had. Jones took a beating in that football game. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to talk to him this week, Gary, and find out maybe where he is uh, from an injury standpoint. I thought the number one reason Aaron Jones's numbers just haven't jumped off the page this year, other than the yards per carry is the fact they just don't use them enough. I mean, I, I wrote a piece last week, Gary, he's, he's that, that he's the most underutilized player in football. And my story, Gary, compared him at this stage of his career to Terrell Davis and Gail Sayers, and it blew me away. He, his numbers were comparable, if not better, in several categories. And we're talking about two Hall of Fame running backs there that only lasted seven years, Gary, because of injuries to their careers. And that's why I compared Jones in that story to those guys, because Jones is in year six. So some of the numbers started to line up with, with what got Sayers and what got Terrell Davis into the Hall of Fame. Gary, I I think Aaron Jones, if he goes 10 years, 11 years at the pace he's on, he's going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. He's that good of a football player. I, I assign. Yeah, the, I don't see that happening, Rob. I really Gary, don't. I, Gary, I assign the overwhelming majority of blame for how Aaron Jones has been used uh, this year and why his numbers aren't, are, you know, his carries are down and he, he doesn't have the yards per game that we're used to seeing. That's on the coaching staff and that's on Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think that's on Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones has been healthy for, for the majority of the season, Gary. Mm-hmm. And for him to only be averaging 11 carries a game is, is just absurd. And, and, and I get it. He's a little guy. He's 5'10", 208. And, and you want to make sure you've got him in December and January. But, Gary, here's, my, here's what I keep coming back to on Aaron Jones. If they don't start using him more and fight, because he's their most dynamic player on offense after the quarterback. 
if, if they don't find a way to start using him more right now in October and no, then November, they're not going to have January football this year, Gary. They're, <laughs> I, they're really not. He's, I, their I, best, I, he's their best football player on offense after the quarterback, and they've got to get the ball in his hands more than they have. And I, I, Gary, I'm so tired of Matt LaFleur going to a podium every Sunday and Monday and saying, yep, we didn't get Aaron Jones the football enough. I mean, I, I agree with you. How many how many games do you have to go through to realize? How, how many times do you need to get hit in the head to understand that it hurts? You, right? you know, you, the only thing I can see in defense of, of LaFleur is that, and this goes back to the Giants game in London when they had uh, third and two late in the game, and, and, and they re, uh, threw the ball on both occasions. Maybe Rodgers is, is changing plays, you know, but I couldn't agree with you more. And it seems to me LaFleur has had a tendency, if they get behind early, to abandon the running game. And uh, even if they're down seven or, or ten points, they, they got to stick with something that's been tried and true. Well, you, you hit the key point right there. Aaron Rodgers changing plays. And none of us are ever going to – none of us will ever know fully – how many plays Aaron Rodgers changes Gary in the, in the course of a game, in the course of a season, but we know the number is relatively high. I mean, there are so many of these, these plays where he has the option to go from, from pass to run or from run to pass. I mean, it's Matt LaFleur sends in plays Gary that he calls canned plays yeah. and, and Rodgers can change the play then at the line of scrimmage. If he doesn't, if he doesn't like a look, that's being presented to him at the line of scrimmage. He'd go from play A to play B. And, and we know he's changing a number of these, Gary, because you can watch it in the offensive linemen that get out and they run block and Aaron Rodgers is passing the football, right? That the, the yeah. there are only a, there are only a few players that know that this is happening. It, Rod, Rodgers makes a quick adjustment and a call to the wide receiver that he wants to go to. He doesn't even, even tell his offensive linemen, Gary and, and, and they make the switch and, and Rogers is looking maybe for a quick hitter then in the passing game, but you can watch the offensive lineman, Gary, they're out, they're out run blocking instead of pass blocking on, on some of these plays, how, how much, how often Aaron Rodgers is changing plays again, we're, we're never going to fully know that answer, but Gary, I can promise you this. He's changing more runs to passes then he's changing passes to runs. <laughs> the man loves to throw the football. And, and, well, and, Rob, I, I, I'll bet my, my every penny I have in my bank account, which isn't a lot, <laughs> that he he changed plays on both those run uh, uh, on those situations in London. Sure, the third down play and the fourth down play, and you you could hear in the voice of Aaron, Aaron Jones after the game that. He was disappointed. He, he wanted the ball, and, and rightfully so. And isn't that why you brought in Dylan? He's supposed to be your big, you know, tough guy, you know, up the middle to get you one or two yards when you need it. I mean, to me, that was absolutely inexcusable to, again, I, I'm assuming he, he changed plays, but it, it made no sense at all. Well, and, and, and again, Matt LaFleur is never going to call him out publicly for that. Correct. He, he understands it's, he it's, a, losing, it's he a losing battle. He can't. Nope. He can't. They've and, and they've created this monster now in Green Bay, Gary. When 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 you allow a player to become as big, if not bigger, than the general manager, the head coach, and certainly everybody inside the locker room, it's a power structure that's just not sustainable. It, no. It's not going to work. And and that's what Green Bay has right now. They've 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 given one of the inmates a key to the entire asylum. And, um, you know, they, they, they allow him to have a say in personnel. You clearly, he, he should be heavily involved in offensive game planning and things like that. But, but we can argue all day, whether or not Aaron Rodgers should be given the freedom and flexibility at the line of scrimmage to change as many plays as, as he wants to. I mean, Gary, I, I mean, I, I, I can promise you, you know, Matt LaFleur is thrilled to death to have had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback for the first three and a third seasons that no he's question. been a great It's helped him no win question. a ton of football games, but there's got to be a part of Matt LaFleur at the end of the day that says, man, when this guy's gone and I have a different quarterback under center and I, and I send in a play and I know that play is going to be run because I think I'm pretty smart if I'm Matt LaFleur and I know what I'm doing and my offensive system works. 
it's going to be nice to see that quarterback run the God darn play that I tell him to run. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Hey, uh, do they have a third back? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> to answer your question, Kylan Hill is on his way back, Gary. Yes. He started practicing last week and they do like him and, and fans remember they got a flash of Hill last year before he got hurt and tore his ACL. He will be the third back Gary. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was just kind of curious. I, I was well aware of Hill, you know, not being available, but I don't know. Rob, we, we, we talked for over an hour now, <laughs> and we haven't had a lot of positive things to say about this team. And, you know, that, that's the way it is. I mean, nobody expected Green Bay to be in this position. Nobody. No, I, I, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, again, I, I think I hit on Robert Tunyon, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what? I, I'll take it back. I mean, you know. We, 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 there were definitely some positive uh, performer performances last Sunday. I'll tell you what, Alexander was absolutely awesome for the most part on, on Sunday. He uh, had Garrett Wilson from the get-go, and Garrett Wilson was not a factor at all. Right. Jair was really good. I thought the defense overall, Gary was putting some tough spots early on uh, in that football game and, and, and played as well as the Jets. But guess what? The Jets played outstanding defense for four quarters. They and did. Green Bay only played it for two. When Green Bay needed to make stops in that second half, Gary, they started getting gashed. And, you know, Matt, Matt LaFleur was trying to sell it that late in the game. They held that, you know, the, the Jets' final drive. They, they, they kept New York to a field goal on that, and they made a, they made a goal line stop. I mean, Gary, the, 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 the game still went to three scores at 27 to 10. And, and the Jets used six minutes off the clock on that drive. When, when everybody in the world knew they were going to be running the football, Green Bay still couldn't stop the run. You know what, though, Rob, you know what? I, I thought that stand at the end was somewhat important. They, they, the game was over. I mean, they could have easily said, okay, score another touchdown, big deal. It, it's not going to make any difference. But I saw a lot of pride in that defense. Things didn't go well for them in the second half. But I'll tell you what, it's not like they just laid over. I mean, they, they showed some uh, heart there. You know, contrary, by the way, somebody came out and said, you know, some reporter, I, I don't know who the dude is, so the Packers have no heart. I mean, seriously? <laughs> Come on. They, they, they have heart. Things just didn't happen. And, and we've mentioned a lot of the factors. Guys are banged up, misassignments and stuff. But I, I don't think it's because of a lack of caring, you know, on the Packers' part by any stretch. No, that, 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 and that's a tough thing to question about another human being. No question. I mean, to, to delve in, I mean, that's, it, it's one thing, right. When, 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 when we can look at numbers and things like that, 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 that's so much more intrinsic that it's, that it's tough to, to pick at. Here's what I will say, Gary, in that football game, and you, you could see it, you know, the, the jets certainly brought more energy and passion Correct. to feel that day than green. Yep. did, And, and again, that's one of the marks of a team that's on the rise and on the up and, and, and they have not played winning football for a decade. I mean, green Bay, it's, you know, a, 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 an October 16th game. It, it is a little bit harder for them to, to get revved up for that thing than it is maybe a, a, a team like the jets who have, who haven't played winning football in forever. Green Bay's used to being five and one, six and oh, four and two at this stage of the season. And, 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 and these are kind of the, the dog days almost right. Like June is for baseball for green Bay. You're looking and you're thinking, all right, how do we get to 10, 12 wins and, and make sure we're peaking at the playoffs. You're, you're thinking of playoffs already. You're not, you know, I, I, October is a, a tough month. A lot of times for a team like green Bay to, to bring that kind of energy in, but there's no question Sala and, and, and Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, and, and, and both of those staffs, the, those guys had had that Jets team fired up from from the first snap of that game and from the first time Quinn and Williams decked somebody, right? Or the first time Sauce Gardner broke up a pass. I, I I would never say Green Bay didn't have heart, but what I would say in that game, Gary, is is the Jets brought far more energy and 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 man, Packer Nation let the let Green Bay hear about it, didn't they? I mean, they, the Boo Birds were out in that game, Gary, in, in full force certainly by the end. And you know, the better part of that second half, um, you know, you're you're not used to hearing boos at Lambeau Field, and you're certainly not used to seeing people 
exit stage left with 10 minutes left in a football game. Well, they all went heading to the local tavern as quick as possible. Um, you know, once that game got to 24, 10 and, and later on 27 to 10. And uh, that, that was, that was, that was probably the darkest day, Gary of the Matt LaFleur era, at least come at least in the regular season. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, it all boils down to Sunday. They, they absolutely have to win and the, the commanders are a bad team. I mean, if they lose to the commanders, as I said earlier in the show, it's, it's over. The commanders are two and four. They had lost four straight and, until beating, what, Jacksonville last week, and I think it was only 28 to 22. Uh, Carson Wentz is out. He had finger surgery. Uh, Heineke is going to replace him. No excuses, Rob. You know, None. Telling you though, Gary, Washington got a huge break with that injury to the quarterback. They weren't going to bench him. They, you know, they, 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 they brought him in to be the guy certainly this year, but you want to talk bringing energy and passion and guts and heart. Yeah. That's what Heineke does. He can, yes. you know, he's, he, he's the little engine that could, he, he's the kind of guy who can fire up a football team. You're not, his level of play, Gary, or his style of play is not sustainable to win 12 games or something like that in a season. But for one Sunday, he's the kind of guy who can jack up a team and, and get them playing at the, you know, with, with that passion level through the roof with their hair on fire. So uh, th- th- this is a tough break for Green Bay on some levels. I think Carson Wentz is obviously the more gifted player and talented player, but, but I'll be honest, Gary, for one Sunday, I'd much rather see Wentz than I would Heineke. You're exactly right. I mean, Green Bay should beat either player um, and e- either quarterback and, and, and they should beat the commanders no matter who's under center. But, but I do think this, th- this makes things a little more tricky for Green Bay going out there on Sunday. Yeah, no, no question about it. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, call it a day? Well, special teams were bad again, Gary. I mean, we 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 kind of thought we were past uh, spending 28 minutes per podcast talking about <laughs> Mo Drayton or Ron Zook's ridiculous groups or Sean Menengas, but boy, they were they were bad again, right? I mean, uh, Michael Clemens blocks the the punt in the third quarter, and they bring it back for a touchdown and a 10-3 game jumps to. 17 to three, you know, Quinton Williams blocked the, the Crosby field goal in, in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of the San Francisco playoff game, Gary, where they, where they blocked a kick and a field goal and they, they blocked a punt. So sure um, it's got to get the green Bay's got to get that part uh, back on track and figured out. And, and I'll tell you what, Gary, every time I watch Amari Rogers, I, I think to myself, it's only a matter of time be, before he puts it on the ground and you kind of cringe when the ball's in his hands. I, I, I'd make a change right there. They have on kick returns, Gary. They're still, they're still letting them go on, on punt returns, but he was only four yards of punt return the other day, Gary. I, I, I'd get him off the field as, as soon as possible. Um, so those, uh, those, those, I guess would kind of be my, my final takeaways, Gary, on a, on a podcast where we outlined a lot of things that are dark. Um, those are a couple more things that have crept in that, that green Bay needs to fix here before, uh, before heading to Washington this weekend. Okay. Lastly, a prediction on the score. I got Packers 27, 20. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take green Bay, Gary, like 23, 19, something like that. I, again, they're not good enough to, to blow anybody out at this juncture. They're, they're not good enough to put up 37 points. And, and then we're sitting here next week and saying they've got all these things fixed. I, I just think it's going to be another grinder, you know, for them to win football games, Gary, the defense has to start taking the ball away. That that's the one, that's one last thing we didn't mention in this podcast, Gary, they have, they have one interception through six games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely abysmal. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the Jets had more interceptions last week. Uh, coming into Green Bay last week, Gary, the Jets had more interceptions than the passer, Packers had passes defensed. Not, not even interceptions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. passes deflected, passes yeah. broken up, and the Jets had more interceptions. So Green Bay's only got three takeaways on the season, Gary. Um, they've got to find a way to start taking the ball away. There's this much 
hyped ballyhoo defense that we've heard about. Um, you know, oh, they've got all these different fakers and playmakers all over the field. They've got to start doing it too. We we spent an hour on the offense, Gary. The defense has to pick it up too, uh, in a, in a big way. I know some of their numbers don't look terrible. But at big times, at big moments in football games, Gary, where they've had to make stops, they haven't done it. And uh, I'll I'll tell you what, though, I feel a hell of a lot more optimistic about that defense than I do that offense. I I think that that, I I think that offense right now is in shambles like it's never been before under LaFleur. And they, they got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And I, and I don't think they have the answers right now, Gary, to fix it because you know, teams have realized, come on up, play man, beat the crap out of these wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. The yeah. line can't block. Rogers doesn't have enough time. Everything's off balance and off kilter. And, and when Rogers doesn't have those five, six seconds, then to throw the football, like he did back in the days when, when Josh sitting and TJ Lang and some of these guys were blocking for him, um, that offense is going to look lousy. And, and that's exactly how it's looked. I'm, I'm with you, Gary. The, the, the defense is something to feel better about than the offense, but the defense still has not lived up to what anybody thought it was going to be in 2022. And takeaways are such a huge part yeah. of, of, of who plays winning football week in and week out. And the fact they're not taking the ball away, I, I think is a, is, is a major red flag. Joe Barry should be on a, on a very, very warm seat at this point in time. Wow. Gary, well, we're going to save that topic for next week. We, we, I, I, we, we can save it for down the road a, a, a week or two if you want. But yeah. but right now, Gary, I, I have no problem telling you Mike Pettin got way more out of his defense than Joe Barry has. Yeah. Well, that's going to make for a very good discussion, uh, perhaps even as soon as next week. Uh, Rob, it's another podcast in the books. And a mighty fine one at that. Uh, thank you for your uh, Jair Alexander tape performance today. And uh, thanks to our loyal listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whipple and Whipple's Press Box.com.